your smart mouth Drawing me in and you kicking me out Got my head spinning No kidding, I can't pin you down What's going on in that beautiful mind? I'm on your magical mystery ride And I'm so dizzy Don't know what hit me But I'll be alright My head's underwater But I'm breathing fine You're crazy Well, just a little bit crazy Cause all of me loves all of you Except for when like I'm driving and you're giving me directions It's like your only imperfection Give your all to me I'll give my all to you I just feel that I have to mention I love you more than I love attention Oh my good, I had no idea that we're gonna do that I'm so embarrassed I'll give you all There's just a lot to you. Little things like that. How many times do I have to tell you? I can search through Netflix while listening to you. You said that I left my wet towel on the ground. Whoops. I love you. You're my downfall, you're my muse I know I'm not perfect, I'll admit that to you You hate the clicking my jaw makes whenever I chew You say that I'm forgetful, but I can't remember why Our anniversary's in July Wait, it's in July no, it's in January, I was way off. Loves all of you. Love your curves and all your edges. Like the edges to your multi-level marketing investment. It's a pyramid scheme. Thanks for doing laundry. But next time, just leave it to me. You mix the whites with the darks in the washer. Like a cute, blind, reckless monster. Cause I'll give you all of me Even though you tend to steal all the sheets But give me all of you You say you're hungry But you don't say what for You tell me just whatever too and I'm like okay well let's do Chipotle and you're like I'm not in the mood for Mexican right now and I'm like well what are you in the mood for and you're like like I don't know Doug just pick something and I'm like okay well like oh, let's do pizza and you're like like that's an actual response to a question
June, January. Mm. I gotta write that down. Well, that was a crazy version of that song, right? Uh, who, who actually sings the original? Who? That's right, John Legend. I I'm thinking we should have kept it that way, right? <laughs> Might have been better. But seriously, though John Legend's version is certainly more beautiful and romantic, I think what Dougie just gave us was way closer to reality. What say you, right? It's like, that's true. All of me loves all of you. That's beautiful poetry. It's just not true. And that's, that's how marriage tends to be as well, if you think about it. The words of our commitment in marriage are often way more beautiful and romantic than they are real. But it doesn't have to be that way. Marriage really can be everything we long for it to be, everything God designed it to be, not because we can be perfect, we can't, not because we come in without flaws, because, hey, we come in flawed, but, but we can experience marriage as he intended if we go about it his way. And so this weekend, that's where we begin the conversation in this talk we're calling Marriage 101 in this series, Me, We, Us. And here's the truth. Successful marriage requires the right relationship with God and with our spouse. It's a twofold relationship that's absolutely demanded if we're going to experience success in it. And I know not everybody here is married, but, but if these principles work in creating a successful marriage as intense and up close and personal and intimate as that is, you can take these principles and apply them across the board in any of your relationships. But a successful marriage really does require not just a one-direction relationship on the horizontal plane, it, it demands, it requires a two-direction relationship, the one that begins vertically with God and then translates into how we do the horizontal. At Proverbs 21.31 is a... a beautiful piece of wisdom that really does have application to this truth. It's one of my favorite Proverbs, actually, and it says, the, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. And some of you are going, really, you're going to build the truth of marriage on this proverb that's talking about preparing a horse for battle? Is that really what it's about? No, it's not, it's not the point. The point is that bit of wisdom really does apply to this discussion and truth on relationships because it doesn't matter how hard you work on something. The horse is prepared for battle. You have to prepare the horse. You have to prepare for battle. You have to do all the disciplined investment to get there. But it doesn't matter how well you do with that because in the end, victory rests with the Lord. 
You need both. You, you need to work it. You, you need to be disciplined. You need to make the right investments. And then you need to, in the end, trust the Lord because he's the one that brings it all together. And that's how it is with marriage. Successful marriage requires all the investments we need to make to have a right relationship with our spouse. But in the end, that's not enough because victory rests with the Lord. We need a right relationship with God. And that proverb really finds its expression in one of the most beautiful and practical relationship passages in all of the Bible. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And this weekend, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to walk through this relational passage and show you how it applies to our lives. And you see that you need a relationship with God and with others. The first part of it, as you look into Ephesians 5, shows us that if we're going to have a successful marriage in any, in any way or any other relationship, we have to have a relationship with God. Because what God does is he builds the foundation of all of our horizontal relationships on our relationship with him. Because if you read Ephesians 5, it talks about marriage relationships. It talks about parent to child, child to parent. It talks about people that we do life with and work with. And it all starts with God. In Ephesians 5.21, God starts speaking about the horizontal relationships we have with each other, especially that in marriage. But, but he doesn't start the relationship passage in Ephesians 5.21. He starts it earlier. And I want to pick it up there. Look at verse 18 of Ephesians 5. Do not get drunk on wine. Now, I'm going to stop there because some of you are having a thought. That's the only way I've been able to deal with marriage all these years. So, I mean, <laughs> God's really blowing this thing uh, right up front, right? And others of you are thinking, I know how you think because I think like you think. You're saying, thank God he didn't say beer, right? I mean... <laughs> just the wine thing we've got to stay away from. He didn't mention bourbon, you know, that kind of deal. But that's not at all what this passage is about. He, he's, he's telling us by nature, all of us lean on and look for our filling in and are controlled by outside elements. And he's saying, don't do it. He's saying, don't, don't give yourself over. Don't give the control of your life over to something that can intoxicate you, that can that can rule you. Don't be drunk on wine because it leads to debauchery. When you allow something outside yourself to control you, it diminishes your capacity. It robs you of your wisdom. You, you make decisions that really, really mess up your life. Don't do it. And then he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. He says, you want to do life well. You want to do relationships well. Here's what you need. You need a right relationship with me. Don't try and fill yourself with something else. Be filled with my spirit. And then look what will happen. You'll speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit. I mean, the conversations we have and the life we have with each other will be praiseworthy. And then he says, and it won't stop there. You'll sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Your relationship with me will be the right kind of relationship. You'll be giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what's happening in most of our lives because we're working really hard on our horizontal relationships, on our marriages, and, and we're leaving God out. And as a result of it, we're, we're filled with all kinds of things other than him because we come at life empty. 
The truth is, many of us are filled with bitterness and anger and hurt and disappointment because marriage and other relationships haven't lived up to our expectation. And all it does is lead to messed up choices and messed up lives and brokenness and pain. He says, you want to do relationships right? You've got to start in the right place. You've got to start with me. Don't be controlled or filled with other things. Be filled with me. And I, I'm not going to spend a long time here, but I really do want you to get this, the why of it. So let me just throw out a couple of reasons. You see, we need to have full dependence on God if we're going to have a successful marriage because full dependence on God is where we'll find the love that we so desperately need for a successful marriage. We need God for love. I mean, 1 John 4, 19 says it. We love because he first loved us. The only way we can truly love in a way that a successful marriage demands unconditionally is if we are filled first with the unconditional love of God. And here's our problem. We're looking for the love that we don't have. We're looking to fill the emptiness of our life with the love that we can get from another person. This is why many of us get married. And so we're trying to do anything we can to manipulate the love from that person we need that will start filling our life of that which we're missing. And it'll never happen because they're doing the same thing. They're trying to get from us the love that they need, the attention they need, as we try and get it from them. And all we do is disappoint each other, fall short, hurt each other, and experience more pain and brokenness. But when we experience the unconditional love of God filling our lives, then we're not looking to another person to give us the love we're missing. We're looking to give God's love to another person. It changes everything. This is why we have to start with God. If we're going to have a successful marriage or any other relationship, it demands full dependence on God because that's where we get wisdom. Full dependence on God is where we need to go for wisdom. Look at James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it'll be given to you. When we're filled with God, we're filled with his wisdom. Now, let me just break this down for you. I, I've made a lot of errors in my marriage with Roxanne over these 40 years. I, I mean, oh my gosh, so many times. And I mean, I'll go to war over things I shouldn't go to war with. It's usually to get what I want. I'll say things I shouldn't have said. I usually think it's the right thing. It turns out to be the wrong thing. I, I, I'm sure you can relate to me in any way if you're a human being and you've had a relationship with another person, right? And I always walk away and I go, what was I thinking? Why was I so stupid? Every time I've blown it in my marriage, it has boiled down to the fact that I thought I was doing the right thing and I was doing the wrong thing. It was a lack of wisdom. And so this, I love this verse. It's almost a comedy routine. If any of you lacks wisdom, ha, 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 ha. If you think you have the wisdom you need to do marriage right, I feel sorry for the person who's married to you. <laughs> you don't. This is why we need, I lack wisdom. I don't know how to go about this, but God, you do. And so we need full dependence on him for wisdom. We need full dependence on him for strength. I mean for strength. Yeah. Do you know what's the hard part of, of any relationship, the real hard part of marriage? 
It's the strength to continue doing the right thing instead of what you feel like doing. I mean, I can do it for a while. I can muscle up and, man, I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do the right thing. I hate doing the right thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. And it blows everything. Marriage is not something we as human beings have the strength to do, but it's something that God has the strength to do. And when we're depending on him, he gives us his strength. Look at Philippians 4.13. I can do what? All things. Some of you drove here this weekend going, I can't do this thing. No, you can't, but God can. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So I need a right relationship with God, full dependence to be filled with him, not controlled by other stuff, filled with him so that I can have the love I need, the wisdom I need, the strength I need for a successful marriage. And just one last idea. I mean, I, we need full dependence on him so that we can get the contentment we so desperately need. We need full dependence on God for contentment. Look, look at how the, this passage says it, First Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment filled with God, filled with contentment, that's great gain. And I have to tell you, in my own life, there have been so many times when I thought, man, if Roxanne would just do right, that's all I want. Everything would be great. And I've heard it from people like you, people, oh man, if I could just find the right man, all of me would love all of you and we'd all be all in love. If I could just find the right woman, I mean, man, that's all I want, Lord. That's all I want. No, it's not, because as soon as you get the right person, then you're going to demand that God make them better. You're going to say, this is the right person. I do, I do, I do. And two weeks later, you're going to be going, all I am hates all they are. Change him, God. If you're looking for contentment in another human being, you are going to experience nothing but disappointment. What we need is full dependence on God because he can fill us with contentment within. And think about this. When we are filled with God's love and God's wisdom and God's strength and God's contentment, we are not looking to extract from another person what we're missing. We're looking to give to another person what they need. And that brings success in marriage. We need this. We're desperate for it. All right. So that's the first part. We build this relationship on a right relationship with God. But then once we have full dependence on God, then we need to put full submission toward our spouse. Full submission to our spouse. Horse prepared for battle, victory rests with the Lord, right? We, we need to do the work of, of being for our spouse whom we were created to be, to submit to them. Look at Ephesians 5.21, just so you can see. First, have a right relationship with God. Then verse 21, the horizontal relationship comes in. Here's how you do relationships great. Submit to, say these two words with me, one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. What? That's not how I heard it growing up. I mean, all my life. You know what I heard? The wife submits to the husband. I loved that gig. 
I, I mean, all of them, thank God I'm a guy. You know what I mean? It's like, and I heard it preached in churches. I heard it talked about. I heard men saying it. I heard women whining about it. I mean, it like, you know, I was like, you know, women submit to men. Women submit to men. The wife submits to the husband. But, but God's saying, look at when you have a right relationship with me, you're not controlled by the wrong things. You're filled with my spirit, my love, my wisdom, my strength, my contentment. Then when you come to your horizontal relationship, here's how you make success. You submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This really messed me up in marriage in the early days because I didn't understand it. I came into marriage going, I know who has to submit and I'm really excited about it. It didn't happen. And I'm telling you, I was set up. I, I was so set up because her dad supported me in this, right? She, her dad was this conservative, traditional pastor, preacher type. And, uh, and he, during the wedding ceremony, we're standing there, Brad, do you, blah, 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 yeah. And then with Roxanne, he said, Roxanne, do you, blah, 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 blah. And she was repeating, and then he says, and submit. And she looked at him, and he said, and submit. I love traditional vows, don't you? I mean, they're so perfect for guys. But anyway, it's like, and submit, and submit. And she, yeah, she submitted, and I went, boom, you know, done. The only thing is she was lying. You know, that wasn't going to be happening. Uh, she said, I want the ring, but the other crap I'm throwing down, baby. And... Uh, and so we had this war in the beginning days because it was like I was wanting her to serve me and she had this freaky idea, women, that I was supposed to serve her and what we did is we went to war with each other to see who would win. And I just need to tell you something. We both lost and neither of us was in right relationship with God because when you're in right relationship with God, you're not trying to extract someone else for your agenda. You're trying to lift someone else for God's agenda and it changes everything. And so this is the key, full submission to our spouse. Now you have to understand what it means, this, this word submission. And so its meaning is, and this is the most accurate way I could describe it. The meaning is to arrange yourself underneath, to arrange yourself underneath. Now, it's really weird. This will tell you how pure I am as a pastor because I thought this is a great definition. This is terrific. This is exactly what submission is. And then I made the outline. It was printed. And someone said, you know how people are going to take that, right? And then they started talking something about missionaries. And I went, no way. It's not about that. It's about positioning yourself to serve and support, arranging yourself underneath to serve, to support, to strengthen, to lift up and get this. Not to control. Not to get what you want. Not to win for you. That's what submission means. Now, the way this passage goes, have a right relationship with God. If you're going to have a right relationship with all your other relationships, submit to one another. It's a mutual submission to one another. You're arranging yourself underneath each other to serve and support each other. That's what relationships are. And then 
God starts defining out the different relationships we have, and he starts with the most intense marriage. And I'm not putting it in this order. It's the order that the text goes in. So don't think I have an agenda to start with women and do that. But that's how the text reads. So I'm just going to follow its, its order. And God says, so let me explain to you how it works. You have a right relationship with me. And then you're submitting to one another. This is how it looks. And he says, wives, this is how it looks for you to submit to one another when you're in right relationship with me. Are you understanding where we're at so far? And so we start with it. What's the wife's responsibility? It's to arrange herself underneath her husband, in other words, to position herself to serve and support her husband and not to control. That's exactly what the passage says. Look at where it goes. This is how it is for wives. Wives, this is how you submit. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. As you live for and and support and serve the Lord, that's how it looks to submit to your husbands. You're living for and serving and supporting them. And then it says, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And I'm going to come back to that thing because some of you are you're not going to listen to anything I say until I explain the head of thing, right? Head of my, no boss to me. You know, that kind of thing. I get it. You're not even understanding it. And then guys are going, thank God he's finally telling her who's the boss. But so it's saying, wives, here's how you have a successful marriage. Here's how you submit to one another. You submit to your husbands. You position yourself in a place to serve and support them. And then it says, uh, as the church submits, lives to serve and support Christ, so also wives should submit to live, to serve, support their husbands and everything. It starts with wives there. Now, let's explain the head of thing. Because a lot of people, you, you, there are people who reject the Bible because of this passage. They just read out. What is the meaning of head of? What is God saying? Is God saying, is God saying that this means that the husband is the boss and always gets his way? Is that what God's saying? Is God saying that the husband is able to control his wife for his own benefit? Is that what God's saying? That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying to be the head of is to be the one who serves and builds and fully sacrifices for another. Now follow with me, listen to the whole thing, and then yell at me and complain and all that stuff, all right? God's saying if you're going to be the head of something, you're going to be the one who serves, builds, and fully sacrifices for another. Here's what God's saying when he says the husband's the head of, as Jesus is the head of. It means that God holds the husband to be most responsible to live a life of unselfish, sacrificial service toward the wife. And if you read the curse that happens when men and women fall away from God, God says, here's part of the curse. It's really a bummer. Now both of you are going to live for yourselves, try and fill your own emptiness, try and manipulate control. And so he says to the woman, hey, you know, you're going to want to rule him. But in the end, because of his strength, because he can overpower you, he, he's going to rule you. It wasn't a good thing. And so when God fixes things through his grace and through his love, and we can have a relationship with God again, who does God make most responsible to serve and submit? Who's the head of? It's the one who's been wrongly ruling in the wrong way since the fall. He holds them most responsible. Just so I can prove this to you, 
Look at what Jesus teaches in Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. Jesus called his people together and he said, hey, they were trying to be successful and great. And he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers, those who have the power and authority to be the head of in the world, among the Gentiles, those people who don't know God, don't live God's way, here's what they do with their head of, their authority. They rule over other people. They use their power to get from other people what they want to control other people, not to help other people. And he goes further. He says their high officials exercise their authority. They use their head of status over people to get what they want. And then these four words, I want you to say these four words with me. Not so with you. All right, that wasn't perfect. Say those four words with me. Not so with you. We're not supposed to use headship to rule and control and to get what we want. We're supposed to use it for something else. And this is what he says. He says, no, it's not what you do. When you're the head of something, whoever wants to become great among you, you want to use your power in the right way, you've got to become the greater servant. Whoever wants to be first must become slave of all. And then he says, for even the son of man did not come to be served. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the power of the universe did not come to get people serving him. He came to serve them and to give himself as a sacrifice for many. What does head of mean? It means that you're the most responsible for sacrificing and serving. And then he goes further. Look at Philippians 2. Through Paul, he says, in your relationships with one another, marriage being the most intimate and intense, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, he's God, didn't consider being God something to be used to his own advantage. He wasn't going to use it to get what he wanted. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So God's saying, if you have a right relationship with me, if you're going to do relationships well horizontally, if you're going to do marriage well, then you have to submit to one another. The wife has to submit to the husband who's the head of, but that means who has a greater responsibility to serve. Both have to serve each other. So what's the, what's the wife's purpose then in a relationship? Well, God makes it clear. The wife's purpose is to enable her husband to become everything God created him to be to arrange herself underneath to serve and support him to become everything God created him to be. And why wouldn't a wife want her husband to become everything God created him to be? Do you think becoming everything you dream of him being will make him a better husband than becoming everything God made him to be? No. And so this is how we move forward. But it doesn't end with the wife. Now it turns to the husband. And what's the husband's responsibility? And look at where, if you're married, you're either a husband or a wife here, and you've got to understand what God's responsibility is for you if you're going to experience success in marriage. The husband's responsibility is the same as the wife's. It's to arrange himself underneath his wife to position himself to support and serve her not to control her. I mean, that's exactly what the Bible says, because remember, you have a right relationship with God, filled with God's spirit, not filled with all kinds of other junk, and then 
submit to one another. Wives, this is how you do it. Husbands, this is how you do it. Look at Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, and this is what God's saying, this is how you submit to your wives. Husbands, this is what submission looks like for you. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you know how we submit to our wives? By loving them as much as Jesus did us, by giving our whole selves to make their lives what God intends them to be. It's sacrifice. That's what submission looks like. And then he goes, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives. First, he says, you need to, man, are you going to submit to your wife? You need to love her as much as Jesus did. And think about Jesus on the cross, you know. And I'm being very serious. He was beaten to a pulp. He's nailed to the cross. He's up there. He's the, he, he's the head of. And what does the head of do? Oh, I know. He, with the mobility he has left, he shakes his ice and he demands we fill it. No, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And then he dies in our place. That's how we submit to our wives. Is that what it looks like in the way you live out your marriage, men? Then it says, just in case you didn't get that, in this same way, if you're not getting that part of it, this is how you submit, husbands. You have to love your wives as your own bodies. <laughs> I'm a member of Lifetime, and I look at how some of you men love on your bodies. You know what I mean? I can't do it. I have to, you know, you make that thing bounce. Look, at I'd stand in front of a mirror loving on my body, too, if it didn't look like this, you know. But it's like, you love on your body, but he who loves his wife loves himself, we need to love them as we love our own bodies. After all, the Bible says no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church for members of his body. If we're going to have a successful marriage, we need to have a right relationship with God, and then we need to have a right relationship with other, each other. We need to submit to one another, the wife to the husband and the husband to the wife. And so what's the husband's purpose? Once again, it's identical to the wife's. The husband's purpose is to enable his wife to become everything God created her to be. And again, why wouldn't every husband on the planet want his wife to become everything God intends her to be? Isn't that where happiness will be truly most experienced? Yes. And yet this isn't how we do it. What we do is we try and enable our spouse to become the best servant to our agenda that they can be. And we go to war, we living for ourselves. Imagine how different relationships would be if both sides of the relationship only cared about the best way they could help the other become everything God intended. And I'm telling you, every fight I've ever had with Roxanne, every fight I've ever had has been an attempt to get her doing what I know and God knows is right. Okay, that's not true. But it's, isn't that what fights are about? You're not seeing it right. You're not doing it right. You're not thinking this through properly. If you only thought about it, come on. And it's about getting her doing what I want, what would make my life better. And her fights with me, the same exact thing. I've never had a fight where I went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Roxanne because I was so upset that she wasn't getting everything she wanted. 
Have you ever had that fight? Do you know what happens when you literally have a right relationship with God filled with his love, wisdom, strength, and contentment? And then you literally position yourself to support and serve the other to become the best version of themselves that they can be. It eliminates all fighting. It's a whole different ballgame. And you don't have to convince them to love you. They love you all the more. You don't have to convince them to respect you because they respect you all the more. You don't have to convince them to be with you. They want to be with you because you make them better. That's what marriage is supposed to be. And so let me give you the application to this thing. I mean, if, if, if we're going to experience success in marriage, which is the goal, we must, these two words are really important, always strive, we must always strive to maintain the right relationship with both God and our spouse. It can't be seasonal. I mean, we literally have to be consistent in this. We have to be fully committed to this. And then at the end of this relational passage about marriage, not at the end of the whole passage, but at the end of the illustration of marriage, he's saying, man, so you have a right relationship with me, and then you submit to one another, have a right relationship with each other. And wife, you're positioning yourself to serve and support your husband. Husband, you're positioning yourself to serve and support your wife. Let me tell you now what you see. Look at verse 31, Ephesians 5. For this is the reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become the most intimate of relational beings. They, they will become one flesh. I'm going to tell you, there have been times in my marriage, Roxanne and I have been married 40 years, and I have to tell you, it gets better and better and better and better and better. It really does. I, I had a hard time getting beyond the me part of, of marriage until about seven years. You've heard of the seven-year itch. A lot of marriages fall apart long before they ever get to the best part of marriage because they can't get past the me part. And we started to experience the we and us, and it's gotten better and better and better and better. But there were a lot of times in our marriage when, when I was contemplating, why do people do this to themselves? I, I remember, look, at I'm a pastor. I, I used to, I don't anymore. I used to perform ceremonies for people, and I'd stand there, or I'd be sitting in the office, why don't we go? and I, having known the agony that Roxanne experienced with me at times, and me never with her, of course. Um, and... And I go, why do people do this? Have you ever asked that question? Why? Why? God's telling you why. This is the reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. When you have a right relationship with God and you really have a right relationship with each other, you submit to one another and you only want to enable each other to become all that God designed you to be, you realize that life isn't ever experienced until you have this kind of a relationship because God said it's not good for a person to be alone. I'm going to make others to partner in, with them in life. And the original relationship was marriage. It's for all relationships. But what's, what's he saying? You want to experience what God thinks is good about life? It happens when you experience success in relationship, especially marriage. For this reason, this is why people do it. They become one flesh. They experience what God calls good. And then he even goes further. This is why they do it. It's a profound mystery. But here's what I'm talking about when I talk about successful marriage. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a reflection of everything we can have with God. And then, however, each one of you 
also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Those are just synonymous parallelisms about how to submit to one another. Husbands, you have a hard time loving your wife like you love yourself. Wife, you have often have a hard time respecting your husband. It goes hand in hand. And how do you submit? You submit by loving and respecting each other this way. And when you do, you experience the reason that God created in the first place. I'm telling you, this is big stuff. Uh, so that's the application. Work on your relationship with God. Work on your relationship with others. There's a lot of stuff that you can navigate through and you can spend time with on this. I hope you will. But let me give you two action steps. Here's the first. If you're going to do something out of this weekend, here's what I would recommend first. First, decide and commit and choose to faithfully and fully depend on God. It's where it starts. It starts with God. Every relationship starts with God. If you're having any broken, messed up, difficult relationships, it goes back to God. You have to get a right relationship with Him. Faithfully and fully depend on God. Look at James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. That's the beginning point. Don't be controlled and filled with other junk, anger, bitterness, wine, whatever. Be filled with Him. Are you? How are your relationships? First thing I ask people when I say, How, uh, my, my marriage, my wife, my husband, my this, my that. First thing I say, so tell me about your relationship with God right now. And I'm telling you, when your human relationships are messed up, I can almost guarantee you that your relationship with God is messed up. Where's your relationship with God these days? Are you faithfully and fully depending on God? I believe, in fact, just before I give you the last action step, I believe this is a point in time when all of us are wrestling a little bit, I know I am, with where I'm at here. And I just think it'd be important for us not just to leave here thinking about it. I think we should take action on this. And so I want to give you just a couple of moments, literally, a couple of moments where we can be silent and you can spend time talking to God about this issue because I know you're wrestling with something. And here's the good news. This... This talk isn't meant to give you guilt because I know there's a lot of failure. I've failed a lot. This talk is meant to help us to recognize our failure so that we can start experiencing the successes God wants for us, remembering this. Our failures don't have to be final because that's why Jesus died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. If we confess our sins to him, he'll forgive us and cleanse us, but the key is we have to confess. So would you just bow with me in a word of prayer for a moment and spend some time talking to God about the areas maybe where you've messed up in your relationship with him, relationship with others. And maybe you're here right now and you're saying, Brad, I, I've, I've never experienced Jesus' forgiveness. I've never put my full dependence on God. I've never experienced a right relationship with him. This is your moment. I'm going to pray with you right now as others are praying. And if you'd like to know him, just take my words in this prayer and make them your words. Not out loud, just in your heart. Just, just say, Jesus, I, I'm choosing right now to submit myself to you. I know I've messed up a lot. I've done what I've wanted to do. I've, I've followed my feelings and my wants. I've sinned. But I know, Jesus, you died on the cross to forgive me and rose again to give me new life. And so I'm confessing my sin and trusting you, depending on you to forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Now, if you just prayed with me quickly, I, I want to encourage you in two ways. I, there's so many things you can do to build your relationship with God from this point. And we'd love to give you a Bible. We want to get it to you. We'd love to give you information about next steps you can take, but we have to know you did this. So real easy, just send us a text. You send the text to this number, 313131. And the text you send, the message is just Northridge, our name, Northridge. And here's what will happen. We'll send you then a second thing that says, did you pray to receive Jesus, to renew your spirit, whatever? Let us know that so that we can send you the appropriate information and we'll send you a Bible, okay? And that's, uh, that's the way you can do it. The second thing I want to encourage you about. Today is a, one of the most exciting days of the year for Northridge Church because today we're doing our all-campus baptism right here in Plymouth, right out here at the pond. We're really excited about it. And, you know, Michigan has such consistent weather, we can always depend on it, right? And it's been blowing us away. It was supposed to be rainy for the whole week, and it's been raining all. It's what? It's been 22 degrees in June. It's been really nuts, and, and a bunch of mud was forming out there. It was really bad. We originally thought we were going to have to bring baptism inside. And, but then, you know, I don't know why they pay weathermen in Michigan who never get it right but still get paid, but they do. And... It went sunny instead of rainy this week, and it's been drying out a little bit, which is great. Uh, and we're having it outside after all, and it's today at three. We really want to encourage everybody to be there to celebrate. But if you've followed Jesus, but you've never, ever submitted to him to baptism, you could do it now. It's life-changing to say, I want a right relationship with you, and, and I'm going to do what you want me to do instead of what I want to do. And all you have to do right after the service here in Plymouth, you can, you can go up to the upper deck above the lobby, and you can talk to people about baptism, or you can show up to the baptism event, and we have people doing that. I hope that you'll take advantage of that, but it's going to be a great, great, great celebration. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. If we're going to have a successful marriage, then we have to maintain our relationship with God, yeah, but we also have to faithfully and fully submit ourselves to our spouse. You need to submit yourselves to your spouse. We need to stop demanding of our spouse that they submit to us, and we need to start demanding of ourselves to submit to them. Changes everything. Too many of us are trying to change the person we can't change, our spouse, instead of asking God to help us change. Because when we change, it's amazing how often they change and everything turns around. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Stop living for yourself. That's so with you. Instead, being in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, as so many do by nature, but also to the interests of others. It is true that most of our music and poetry about marriage expresses beautiful and romantic words that seem to go beyond our experience. But it is also true that when we do marriage God's ways, we start experiencing the beauty of what we long for in our relationships. This is the reason we do it, God's told us. Here's my prayer, that each of us will experience what God intends in our relationships because each of us has the right relationship with God and others. And if we do, think about how the world changes. 
I'm so glad that you were here this weekend. Next weekend, we're going to finish this series, Me, We, Us, by looking at the one element that can transform every family and every relationship. It's relevant to everyone. I hope you'll be here and be a part of it and hope to see you at baptism. Thanks for coming, everybody. Just the start.